Hey, welcome. Glad to have you with us. Eight minutes after the hour, uh, Powderhorn Guns and Archery on board with us this morning. Uh, and this is uh, arguably my favorite part of the program because uh, we get to talk about the arsenal that they bring into the studio. Uh, and uh, then uh, these firearms will be available at Powderhorn uh, just a little later this morning. About um, an hour. Huh? In about an hour. In about an hour, yeah. Uh, Kelsey on board with us and Brian uh, from uh, Powderhorn. And uh, let's talk about this twenty-two long rifle. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you talked me into it. So now you're a tough nut to crack. I was. I wasn't <laughs> sure you were going to give, but okay. Right. So this is a Bergara. They call it their micro rimfire. So they basically took um, their action style, the way they build their guns, and shrunk it down into a very small, very lightweight um, twenty-two. So many people have now started to recognize Bergara for what they are. Um, been around forever. They're made in Spain, except for their premier action guns, which are 100% U.S. made. The barrels are all made here, but they are um, extremely, extremely accurate guns. And the guys I know that have these 22s absolutely love them. 22 is, is fun. They're just fun to play with. Well, it's cheap. It's quiet. It's good. You know, we were talking about practice earlier. It's good trigger time. This is one of those things. You don't have to shoot your carry gun. You don't have to shoot your deer rifle. Just go shoot. Yeah. Uh, and if you got little critters in your yard. Also helpful. Also helpful. Also helpful. Um, all right. But but wait. There's more. Oh, yeah. Uh, what is this Affinity 3? So this is their Affinity 3 Elite Turkey Edition. Um, so I actually have this gun right now in 12 gauge, which is what's here. And in 20 gauge, um, we brought the 12 because I actually have turkey ammo for this. So, you know, trying to yeah. promote it a little bit. But this is a, I, I don't want to say turkey specific. You can obviously do other things with it, but it does have iron sights. It's got the turkey tube. It's got the pistol grip. Um, comes with a scope base. So if you wanted to put a red dot or something like that on there, you can. Um but this is one of those guns, you know, here we're a month away or a little bit more from turkey season. So we're starting to see a lot of people looking for stuff like yeah, this. Yeah, Brian's getting a little nervous right now himself. <laughs> <laughs> I love the Affinity 3 shotguns. I absolutely love them. Um, my youngest son has one, and it is his go-to for everything from trap and skeet to duck hunting, turkey hunting. Uh, phenomenal shotguns. The the controls on them are very, very easy to manipulate. They're easy to load. They're easy to unload. They're easy to carry safely. Uh, phenomenal shotguns. I recommend them very, very highly to, to anybody of any skill level. Um, they are extraordinary. Even me? Absolutely you. In fact... <laughs> Especially you. They're easy to shoot, Gary. Even you could learn even to Even you could use, use one. And I would love to, to host a time out to uh, Prairie Grove or any of the shooting places if you ever want to go shoot some trapper skeet. Um, I can provide one of these and, uh, and the shells and we'll go have a ball. You know, we should do that. We, we, could, we can uh, video it uh, and then we can, uh, we can edit it so it looks like I hit something. But we, we can... Uh, we, we do the on. same thing for me. <laughs> are, are you as good with it as, as me? Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Things that are moving. I don't know why. I You know, I went out with Larry Whalen one year for a charity event. <laughs> and it, it was... it was uh, He'll never, ever invite me out again. It was that bad. Uh, but I, I definitely... Uh, 
I definitely could use the practice, and it would be fun to go out and do that and video it. We'll put it up on the Facebook page. Would love to. All right, we'll we'll make arrangements to do that. Let's wait till it's warmer, please. <laughs> oh, so yeah, you I'm, want your lessons too, I'm, don't you? I'm yeah. not built for shooting shotguns at 12 degree Redley. I'm sorry, I can't and do it that. Is, damn, it's cold out there. Yeah. Holy moly! But don't worry, tomorrow it'll be 60. Yeah. Well, it just you know, if you don't like the weather, wait a minute. Yeah, it'll change. It'll change. Um, all right, so. There's more. Uh, we actually have uh, a pistol here. And uh, uh, Smith & Wesson? Yes. So this is a brand new gun for Smith. They call it the CSX. Don't ask me what that stands for. I have not found it out yet. I thought that was a train uh, locomotive company. I, I think they're just randomly, like, tossing a dice now and picking letters <laughs> based on Whatever that. Whatever letter comes up, that's <laughs> what we'll call it. It's fine. Yeah, it works. Um, but it's a little bitty aluminum-framed gun. So it's a single-action only I don't want to call it a 1911 platform. Um, it's some weird hybrid between a 1911 and like a standard MMP. Um, so it does have the removable back straps like the MMPs. The slide is cut similar to an MMP. The sights are MMP sights, but it's an aluminum frame, single action only with a thumb safety. And it's a little, little bitty guy. Think, you know, SIG 365, Springfield Hellcat, that kind of size. Um, just metal. It looks like a nice conceal, uh, concealable um, defensive weapon. It's, it, it's, it, when I'm looking at a gun to carry, uh, its concealability is, uh, is one of the first issues. Uh, and then, of course, uh, whether or not I can shoot the damn thing. Uh, but this looks like a perfect combination. It's big enough that you can hold it, get your hands on it. Right. Uh, and at the same time, it doesn't look like it's uh, going to you know, stick out like a sore thumb. It's And it's fairly stout when loaded. Um, it's got a 12-round mag. It comes with a 12 and a 10. So capacity's not to, really an issue with this gun. Um, it is fairly heavy when loaded, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. And it's 9mm, yes. which is plenty of stopping power uh, when the bad guy comes. So it is a great... Uh, that is a great... I'm, I'm impressed. I was skeptical when they announced it, um, just because we're seeing the big push away from metal-framed guns. Like, you know, SIG's got yeah. the 938, um, Kimber's got the Micro 9, and we're not really seeing the big push for those like we were several years ago. But I think they'll do well with this one. You know, if you get just the right amount of heft, yeah, it, it makes it easier to get back on target. Right. Well, and in a 9, this gun's going to have very minimal recoil. Yeah, this is sweet. And that's a pretty neat price, too. Yeah, $599. Um, you get both mags. I didn't. Did not check to see what back straps it comes with, but that back strap is removable and replaceable with different sizes. Can't go wrong with that. Uh, now, how many of the, do you have a lot of those in stock, or is I, it just a few? You always is ask it, this about the ones I have one of. Um, yeah, well, I, that's today because. I have this one. I will have another one um, probably middle of next week. But this all right, is, so so the um, the trick here is. If you're interested in seeing this, if you're interested in buying this, you got to get yourself down to Powderhorn. Right. You know, in fact, you might want to leave a couple of minutes before the top of the hour. Because yeah. that's a good deal. That's six five ninety nine. That's a that's a nice price break. And we have quite a bit of nine ammo right now, both defense and um, practice stuff. So, Brian, is nine the big seller? Is it the 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 most? Um, 
that you guys sell? Is it the greatest demand? I really think it is. Uh, it's my personal favorite. It's what I choose to carry, and you know, so many others do too. I, I'm pretty sure that it is our top seller. Uh, it's definitely our top seller as far as ammo sales. We we have more demand for ammo in nine millimeter than anything else, and we sell more nine millimeter ammo than anything else. Uh, and I think it's all for really good reason. The nine millimeter is just a it's a it's a great cartridge, long history. And it's generally speaking widely available. It has ample stopping power with with the right ammunition, and um, because of its size, you can get high capacity in a very very small frame, just like this uh, CSX. Which I got to tell you, the CSX it rivals my car that I carry in every way and surpasses it in the fact that you got 12 rounds of capacity versus eight. Um, it's a very very attractive uh, handgun in a in a great caliber. Um, this is going to be a it's going to be a home run. All right, so get down get down to powder room. First one up, best one dressed. You know, you, <laughs> you, you want that gun? You got to get there quickly. Uh, Michael sent me a message. I hadn't been checking this, but it uh, it should have popped up on uh, a little bit earlier. We we're talking about Florida. Michael said uh, Florida law allows out of staters to keep a loaded gun in your car. It needs to be in a console or glove box or a case. Need not be locked. Enjoy the show, Mike. Um, unless you have a permit, in which case I'm sure, you know, if you've got reciprocity. Well, and there's a lot of states that offer, I think they call it like peaceable transport or something like that, where you're allowed, even if you don't have either a in-state license or a re reciprocal license, um, for non-residents to carry in their vehicle for defense. Obviously, there's some states that don't honor it, like Illinois, but... <laughs> yeah, well... Shocker, that's, right? That's why you never get out of your car when you're driving across. You know, you're heading east on 70. You make sure you got enough gas while you're still in Missouri. And then you go right across Illinois and don't stop. Or just don't go east. Well, so, I, It's I, overrated. I, well, I, well, yeah, wait a minute. Wait a minute. My, wife is, my wife's from Pittsburgh. I'm from Cleveland. Yeah, there's some good, good, good and, things out and, there. And look where you are now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Dale sent me a message, but I don't know what it is. It just says, uh, that's the gun I want. Oh, he's talking about the, uh, the gun that you guys are talking about, uh, that you guys brought in the studio. That's the gun he wants. Perfect. Uh, Dale Roberts, uh, who, uh, will be on uh, with us next week, um, is, uh, salivating over this. So, uh, Dale, you know where you have to be, uh, and you might want to get in line pretty quickly, because <laughs> it's, it's going to go. All right, it's, uh, it, I'd asked you at the top of the hour about archery. Yes. Uh, but it, it's historically where we go to the gun part of the show, so I didn't get to follow up. But I will follow up next, because who would know more about archery than Powderhorn Guns and archery? I'm Gary on Guns, Hot Talk, 93.9 The Eagle. Hey, welcome. It's 23 minutes after the hour. Powderhorn Guns and Archery on board with us. Brian is in, and so is Kelsey. I had asked a question about archery, and what's the season? Is there a season? And there is. Uh, and I'm about to find out what it is. What, when, when is it? So our general archery season runs September 15th to January 15th every year. Um, it does close during the rifle season. So a lot of people don't realize that. The November portion of the rifle season um, is not archery season. But... <laughs> You can harvest deer on a rifle tag with a bow. It is a legal 
method of take during rifle season, like a handgun or something like that. Um, but you cannot shoot like turkeys with a bow during the rifle season. Okay. We do well. have archery as a legal method for turkeys in the spring, um, which is coming up here in about a month. I think April 18th is opening day. Um, and we do highly recommend people if you're wanting to, you know, get a, a fresh start on this year's archery season. September will be here before we know it. Um, you need strings. You need work done. Uh, Want to order a new bow? Come in now. And I imagine now is the time to start practicing, too, if you're... Most, I say most, a lot of people shoot year-round, similar to, you know, firearms training. You want to stay regular with it. Um, you want to keep that muscle group toned and healthy. And then, you know, the more you shoot, theoretically, the more consistent you will be, which is very important in archery. But um, also, if anything goes wrong, it's not a surprise. Uh, we get guys that come in every year. Um anywhere from september 1st to september 14th and they're like i just broke broke my bow out for the first time this year and my strings busted or you know all my arrows are broke or something's wrong and by then we're down to the nitty-gritty and it takes us a while to get a lot of stuff done just because we're either waiting on parts or um you know we're just backed up on service work as it is brian do you do you shoot the bow Absolutely. I, I love I love archery in all forms. I shoot a vertical bow, have a crossbow. Uh, I support both for hunting and, and just recreational target shooting. It's one of those things that once you get started, um, you're hooked for life. Uh, archery, is it's a magical experience. It really is. Yeah, uh, if you do it right. If, however, you overextend your, your forearm and uh, that line goes scraping down your forearm... Uh, then it kind of breaks you the habit. It's like, oh, my God, that hurts. That's a mistake you get the luxury of not repeating very often because <laughs> it's memorable. Um, and, and there's techniques to, to prevent that, and you learn them pretty quick because a string strike on your on your forearm, um, it, it definitely leaves an impression. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it doesn't leave your flesh, but it leaves an impression. Um, you could tell that I've I've had a couple of bad experiences with those too. So that's what we're here for. That's those what you're easily you guys, fixable, huh? That's an easy fix. It's an easy fix. Um, well, I just learned to to turn my wrist just a little bit and keep my uh, forearm the hell out of the way. Yeah. But is that really a problem with some of the compound bows, or is that just the old fashioned? You know. No, it's um. We see it on really anything. Yeah. Um, with the compounds, it's generally an indicator that your draw length's too long on the bow. And it needs to be adjusted or it's a form adjustment. Um, it just kind of depends on the person. And then, of course, you get the people that are legitimately double-jointed. And it's really hard to keep the arm out of the way. I uh, I imagine with a, something like a compound bow, you could start a fire with the it, I've I've seen some very impressive bruises. Um, I have seen it break skin before and cause a Ooh. little bit of bleeding. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Um, it, it, and you guys offer instruction? Um, we're hoping to offer official, like, sanctioned lessons before too long. But, yeah, if you come in and you're like, hey, I want to shoot, I need some pointers, we're definitely more than more than happy to help. And you've, got, it, it, you've still got that range back there, don't yes. you? Yes, for... yes. We have an indoor range. Um, the, the set distance is 20 yards. We can back up a little bit if we're not busy. Um, but, really, if there's anybody else in there, it's a 20-yard or closer range. We can move targets closer if we need to, um, especially for the kiddos. And then, uh, yeah, air-conditioned, we've got, or heat, depending on the day, sometimes both. Um, <laughs> <laughs> typically have snacks, soda, water, candy, that kind of stuff. So 
All right, that sounds kind of uh, sounds kind of fun. When you guys are, are do you practice with a different type of arrow than when you hunt? Um, you shouldn't. We get people that try to do that, but the problem is even very similar arrows. So say they're the same, they're cut the same length, they're the same grains per inch, they're the same, you know, spine. Theoretically, they should fly the exact same, and they don't. Um, so you should really practice how you hunt. And you. Do you find people are brand loyal? Oh yeah, hugely. They're archers are extremely stubborn people. <laughs> <laughs> I I can say that because I'm I'm a part of that group. Um, we get some people that are a little bit more open than others, but I'm telling you, it's worse than the Ford Chevy debate. Wow, it's, that's going some. It's highly entertaining when you get opposing sides in there at the same time. I, when I, uh, as I recall, and this goes back to college, that was an easy credit, you can tell. Um, but we had wood uh, for the shaft. Is that, is that pretty much a thing of the past now? Is it more or less fiberglass? Get, or? Yeah, it, most of it's carbon now. Um, we do carbon. see, uh huh. We do see wow. some um, like fiberglass arrows for bow fishing, just because they're really, really heavy and really sturdy. They can crack a little bit without shattering. Um, so, like if carbon cracks, it'll break it will shatter yeah um the aluminum arrows would bend so there's pros and cons both ways but um yeah wood shafts are very hard to come by and extremely expensive and what about weight how is it an advantage to have some weight more weight less weight yes and where you put the weight <laughs> is important also it's it's quite the art um to try and get everything lined out but you have to you know, you have to play with arrow weight as you play with draw length and actual weight on the bow, the pull weight of the bow. And then you want more forward weight than back weight. Oh, my God. There's a science to this uh -huh. that's really incredible. Do people customize their arrows? Do yes. They... Yes, absolutely. We'll do custom wraps, custom fletching, um, lit custom knocks. Hunting? Fletching? Custom... The, um, like the feathers or the veins that are on the back of the arrow. Ah. Yeah. Okay. It's not the same as what Brian does it. That's a different word. Okay. I'm just... <laughs> Hanson is probably going to kill me. Uh, all right. Uh, so if you're uh, if you're into archery, Powderhorn Guns and Archery, and apparently they know what they're doing, including a place to practice. Well, not to practice, but to try some things out, maybe, maybe uh, get some good advice. Yeah, sounds good to me. Uh, all right, uh, we've got a whole bunch more ground that we need to cover, including Alec Baldwin, that uh, woman that he shot. Well, apparently she committed suicide. Uh, I know that sounds confusing, but I'll explain it next on Gary on Guns. Hey, welcome. It's 36 minutes after the hour. Glad to have you with us. Glad to be with you. Brian and Kelsey in from Powderhorn Guns and Archery. And uh, we just put up a photograph. Chris, uh, one of our listeners, sent me this photograph. We just put it up at Gary on Guns on Facebook. Um gun safety class being taught in an Indiana school in 1956. And uh, if you look at the uh, photograph, you'll see some kid. He looks like he's maybe six or seven years old. Uh, he appears to be holding a shotgun. Classroom full of boys uh, watching as this uh, gun safety class is being taught. Earlier in the program, uh, Brian and I were talking about how we, you know, we should be teaching these kids at a much earlier age. Apparently, at one time, Brian, they were. And it wasn't that long ago, Gary. Um, this is stuff that uh, we need to, as a country, get back to. Um, firearms handling and education, even even firearms sports and schools, 
need to make a resurgence uh, because it is of paramount importance that we teach young people proper gun handling and safety. And and that photograph depicts exactly what we need to get back to and remove all the taboos that are associated by the press to about guns because they are just uh, they're a part of our society and they are a lot of fun they have to be handled properly and they have to be like we said before respected and this kind of a class that that picture depicts teaches exactly those things look at this the, de the determined look on his face as he's holding that, that shotgun is just great uh, but i uh, i know that i've seen photographs and, and heard about historically kids in new york city would carry their rifles on the subway as they went to school uh, because they had classes like this. Uh, and, and today, of course, it, it's taboo. It, it would terrify people. They would, they would run and hide. But even if you're not a gun, if you're anti-gun, you should make sure your kids take a class like this. Because they, they won't get exposed to this anywhere else. And you would want them to, to take a, a, an Eddie Eagle class so they'd know what to do if they encountered a gun. Or a friend had one, and and, uh, and and that gun safety could save their lives. Almost everybody, even in a completely non-gun home, an anti-gun home, almost everybody is going to encounter a firearm at some point in their life. And that training would be of paramount importance to just know what to do. Um, and I, we can tie all of these subjects back to the Alec Baldwin case that you were talking about, because that is a classic example of... He did everything completely wrong and should have been instructed as a youngster how to do this uh, and and prevent the tragedy that unfolded. Yeah, we we got to we've got to get to this story because if you listen to Alec Baldwin, she uh, uh, Helena Hutchins uh, apparently uh, committed suicide. Uh, she told him to point the it was it was uh, a, a, a actor assisted suicide. Uh, she apparently directed Baldwin in the rehearsal scene to determine how best to uh, angle the camera and what movements, and it wasn't his fault, and she told me to do this, uh, and then he pulled the hammer back, but I guess not all the way. Yeah, it's a cult single action is what it is, and you can, in fact, short stroke those and not get them all the way back past that last sear. Wow, too bad he didn't have a little more practice and wait for the click. Right. Um, you know, I... The whole thing is such it's such a confusing mess because it really should have been a cold gun. And the rounds that they put in there, apparently, um, they've got like a little tiny ball bearing in the shell so that when you shake it, it, it makes a noise and you know that it isn't going to fire. Right. So the armor on the set should have done that. I want to know where they got live ammo. Yeah, because there's not even supposed to be live ammo on the set. Well, and you can't get 45 Colt right now. <laughs> it, yeah. That's even oh, last that's year. that's why you, you want to know. know. Yeah. You want to know what the source was so you can go get some. Yeah, absolutely. No, and that, like, why why would they have live ammo on a movie set? Yeah. It, 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 you would think under the circumstances, especially if the actors are compelled to point a firearm at one another. Right. You'd want to make sure that there were there was nothing in the way of live ammo anywhere near that set uh somehow it was there the armor and, that provides that that studio firearm it's their job to make sure that all of those 
uh, all of those guns are in a safe condition. But it's also the person holding the firearm at that particular moment in time. It's their responsibility. And I can give you an example. I'm sitting here in the studio with Kelsey, and she's got this beautiful Smith & Wesson. I've watched her check it. She brought it in, knowing it was unloaded. She handed it to me, knowing it was unloaded. I check it. I put it back on the table. She picks it up. She checks it. It's what you do. And in this article that we're referring to, an actor cannot rule that a gun is safe, the filing said. That is the responsibility of the other people on the set. Nothing could be farther from the truth. You're holding a firearm. It is your responsibility to make sure that it's clear and safe. So Baldwin is clearly at fault. Now, some of the blame to, to be shared to others, perhaps. But nonetheless, he's the one that, uh, that released the hammer. Yeah, I think there's a lot of blame to go around here. He's trying to hold himself harmless, uh, but uh, you know, and maybe it's just because this is what you know what we do. Um, I would be constantly checking it. Uh, I would uh, I would be leery about pointing it at somebody. Uh, I, I I just think that he, the armor, uh, everybody on that that was associated with that shoot had you know some obligation uh, in terms of safety. I don't know you can put all the blame on him, but certainly he deserves some of it. Absolutely. Uh, I don't know. It, 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 you know it, doesn't it, 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 it try to imagine that you've got a real firearm in your hand and somebody is telling you, point that at me. I Just the whole thought of that makes my hands sweat. It really does, and it goes against everything that we're taught. Uh, it, it really does. It goes, it goes against the, the four primary rules of gun safety, and that's don't point at anything you don't intend to kill or destroy. And so just the act of being instructed to point a firearm at somebody that you don't intend to kill or destroy, it goes against everything that we're ever taught. Yeah. I mean, it's like, well, would you really? You want me to do that? I, I don't know. I, I find it, uh, I would find it incredibly disturbing. Uh, I, I just uh, and and the way he's portraying himself really is frustrating. It, it's it's you know anybody but me it can't be my fault. Oh no, no no no. Eight seven four ninety three ninety. The toll free number is eight hundred five two nine five five seven two. We've got Powderhorn guns and archery on board. We've talked about ammo. Uh, they brought in a twenty two long rifle. We've talked about shotguns. They brought in a great handgun pistol, uh, of which Kelsey has only one. Uh, and it's in the studio now. And if you want it, you got to get over there, uh, like right, right when they turn the lights on and open the doors. Uh, are you guys going to be the ones that actually open the doors, or are there people there already? No, I've got people that should be getting there here actually right about now um, to get everything opened up. But the door will be unlocked at ten. But that is such a sweet pistol, um, and it, I'm I'm not opposed to. Uh, telling people uh, we should probably put this up on facebook uh but it is uh, it's a great price break it's 599 smith and wesson nine millimeter uh that's an aluminum frame right correct man i i think that is just a great and, and the grips are those replaceable can you the back strap is the yes. back strap is yes that is neat i really like this um if you're uh, if you're interested you gotta you just you gotta get over there all right we're up against the clock here. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back and wrap it up. Uh, Powderhorn Guns and Archery on board on Gary on Guns. 
It's Hot Talk, 93.9 The Eagle. 49 minutes after the hour, Powderhorn Guns and Archery on board with us this morning. Uh, Brian and Kelsey are with us. Ghost guns are back in the news. Apparently, New York thinks they've done some, they've, they've uh, made this big bust. But I've been seeing these stories out of California, uh, the, and it's, uh, you know, the, the terror of ghost guns. I almost think it's, um, it, it's, it's just, it's out of the bag. It's, there's nothing you can do to stop it. Uh, and I don't think it's really a problem. Uh, you got 3D printers. You can make your own gun. Yeah. People do uh, it in prison. <laughs> like, <laughs> Well, do people do it in prison? That's, I've, I've seen stories. Well, the whole idea that, you know, a ghost gun is a problem. It is, it, it, it's all predicated on the belief that the gun is the problem, not the person handling it. Right. And I wonder if all of these... Uh, uh, ATF laws on firearms go out the window with the proliferation of 3D printers. I mean, you're, you're not going to go get a NYX check if you've got a 3D printer. As the technology evolves, you know, maybe you could build yourself a Glock sitting at home uh, overnight. You get up in the morning and there it is. Uh, it, 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 do you see something like that? Maybe not to that extreme, but potentially happening down the road, Brian? Absolutely. There's absolutely no question. Um, not, not all of the parts can be 3D printed, but the good majority of them can. And, um, you know, the, the digital plans, so to speak, are, are available now. That can absolutely be done very easily, and, uh, and they function quite well. Um, the, the new 3D printers are incredible, and most any firearm can be manufactured that way. And it can even be done perfectly legally on a Form 1. What's a Form 1 for listeners? Form 1 is just the, the federal form that you would uh, apply for in order to build your own firearm, suppressor, um, any of those things. And uh, there's some special rules that go along with Form 1 firearms as far as what you can do with it once you've got it, got it put together. Um, but generally speaking, it's just a firearm that you've made and it's perfectly legal. Do I need a Form 1 if I buy an 80 percenter? To make it legal, yes. How would they know? Exactly. I mean, that's a million-dollar question. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think that uh, that technology will continue to advance, and they'll have less and less control, and it's going to become the boogeyman of the anti-gun people. Well, it really is, and, uh, and there's nothing that anybody can do about it. It's, it's, it's on the horizon. It's already here uh, in large part, and uh, I think that it's, it's you know, something that we will see be a bigger, bigger thing. I don't see it as a problem at all, but some will. Do you remember seeing the very first uh, 3D printed firearm? It was that white plastic thing yeah. with a nail for a firing pin? Mm-hmm. And and the advances they've made since then and how about the battles that that guy went through to uh, to release the software to people with 3D printers I mean they have been they've been going after him trying to stop him for I'll bet 10 years now I think the real hurdle for them will come when it's not just him when it's him and 100,000 of his closest friends that all are doing the same thing um, and and producing these digital plans for anybody with a 3D printer, which is surprising. A lot of people have those, and they're they're quite affordable now. Yeah, the more they make, the, the lower the price per unit. 
Uh, and they're actually, <clears throat> not that I would ever consume one, but they're actually 3D printing steak. Food. I mean, how do you 3D print food, for crying out loud? Those things are becoming incredibly sophisticated. Hmm. And if somebody, are you going, hmm, because you're thinking, ooh. I'm imagining a 3D printed steak. Um, well, you not, won't it's find. It's not painting a great picture for me. No, you wouldn't find one of those at CC City Broiler, I promise. <laughs> you certainly won't. <laughs> oh, now I'm hungry. Hmm. All right, so uh, the 80 percenters, you guys, do you, you don't sell 80 percenters, do you? No. I, I would, I've thought about it. It's just just for the skill thing, you know. It'd be fun to see. Just could I actually complete those? Well, it's not difficult. Usually, there's only one hole, quote unquote, missing from an eighty percenter. So it's not overly difficult to make that a full lower frame receiver, whatever you end up getting. I just don't want the liability. I don't yeah, want to be responsible for anybody. You you want to buy it? Go buy it. I'm not. Mm -mm. Yeah, I would, I would after I completed it, give it to Hanson to test fire. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm the guy that, uh, well, yeah, I'm a little bit out of time. Yeah, that's all right. We'll, we'll just go with it. You know, I, I'm not that Mr. Perfectionist when it comes to those kinds of things. Right. And I, I fear that I would make some stupid little mistake and the damn thing would end up blowing up in my hands. Uh do you need special tools for that, or can you just need a Dremel or a drill or what? Um, I know people have done it with drill presses, Dremels, really anything that can make a hole in aluminum, you know. Yeah. Yeah, not for me. Not for me. Yeah. Not, I, I don't even want to do the 3D printer. I'd rather just go get a brand-name firearm uh, that I trust from a retailer like Powderhorn Guns and, and Archery uh, and know that it's got years and years of engineering behind it. And if you want to sell it, you can. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's the other thing. And I, you know what? These uh, these uh, ghost guns, they're going to get sold anyway. The, the bad guys don't care where it came from. They only care that it works. Uh, that's why most, you know, uh, crimes that are committed with a firearm, the, the criminals didn't buy them at, uh, at a gun store. They stole them or, or found some other, you know, some other way to get their hands on them. Uh, so this would be another alternative for them. We just have to convince the media that it's not the gun, it's the person that's holding it. Because that's that's where the answer to all this violence that, uh, that we uh, encounter lies. You can't blame an inanimate object. As we say, it's, it's like blaming the fork for being fat. Doesn't, it doesn't hold true. Um, all right, so I want to wrap this thing up. How much time do I have, Brian? I got about a minute. About a minute left. Uh, if uh, if somebody is interested in uh, ammunition, you guys are getting a lot of handgun ammo. Uh, you said you're starting to get rifle uh, ammo in there. Are you getting five five six? Yes. Uh, what else? I uh, got quite a bit of three hundred eight, five five six, seven six two by thirty nine. Um, quite a bit of rim fire ammo. So seventeen, twenty two, twenty two magnum. Uh, turkey loads. We're doing pretty good on 12-gauge turkey loads. I think I even have a couple boxes of 10-gauge left. Ooh. Right. Because um, why not? The 5.7 round is getting more and more popular. There are people, uh, CMMG right here in uh, in central Missouri is making a, an AR with a, a firearm with a 5.7 round. Mm -hmm. uh, and a couple of other people are too. 
Are you getting much call for that? Um, yes, mostly out of the Ruger. Their little five seven handgun, and then Keltec brought out a PS ninety copy. That's kind of neat. Um, and quite a bit cheaper, ish. Ish. Uh, ish. It's still over a thousand, but it's not two thousand. So. Yeah. You know. It's getting to be a. There, there are more and more people who are making uh, firearms that shoot that round, mm-hmm. and that's actually good uh, because now you know you're going to be able to get it. I had the twenty-two TCM, and there nobody else using it. Right. Uh, so the, you know, there's only one place I could get that ammo. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm thinking this is good for the people that have a, a five-seven because. The more, the the more guns gonna... that are chambered in it, the more manufacturers are going to make the make the ammo for it. And, and we need more of it produced uh, because it is an incredibly high demand. All right. I want to thank you, too, for coming in this morning. Glad to have you with us. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Gary. All right. We got to run. Whatever it is in life that you want, go out and get it. Don't wait for the government to drop it in your lap. You make it happen. You seize the day. Carpe diem. Gwen, baby. Honey, I'm coming home.